Unto thee, O Lord, do I lift up my
ask about Maywood, and of course last year we, we were not able to uh, have Maywood as we would like, and that's been very difficult. But the board did meet yesterday, and as of this moment, Maywood 2021 is a go, and registration opens at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, so, and you know if you are a session three person that that sometimes is problematic but it opens in the morning. And if you wanna know why they changed it from midnight, that's because uh, so many of you tried to register at uh, 1201 that it shut the server down. So uh, overloaded it. So anyway, with that said, registration opens and we plan to go forward with Maywood. Session three is Tony Brown. That's the June session. And session eight is myself and Terry Smith. That is July 25th through the 30th. That is the eighth session. Now, with that said, um, you will look, if you look at the calendar, it's one of those years everything shifts. That's actually put the night session, the Decatur session, in the whole month of August, which means uh, about half of that week is not going to actually be able to go, to, to go because Decatur City School starts school the same week. So we've added another session. Uh, the, before the June, the, the last week, May 20 something, uh, and I forgot to look before I came up here. So with that said, if there are any conflicts that conflict with, with you toward the end because of school uh, and the late sessions, that week is open to not only that group, but anyone who would like to avail themselves of it. But just wanted to let you know that the camp, Lord willing, is on. Please start praying for it. And registration opens tomorrow. The second thing, the reason why I really wanted to do this, is that I want every uh, man in this congregation to mark your calendar for March the 14th. One of the things uh, in my role in working with the spiritual education program here, um, we, Brother Ken and I have uh, been working together and he shared with me something that they did at the congregation where he was. And it's been my goal for the adult Bible classes to be on a curriculum. And so uh, that curriculum is coming to, uh, to pass uh, there, it's a five-year curriculum, so the plan is within five years, if you go to all those Bible classes, that you will uh, study through every book of the Bible and a series of Bible topics as well. You'll have that opportunity. And just to give you a little insight into that, here's the plan. That uh, Let's say we're studying the book of Joshua during a quarter. On Sunday morning in the auditorium, you can attend that class. That same class on the book of Joshua by the same teacher will be taught the next quarter on Sunday morning in the annex. So we're going to work through that, and it's a great-looking curriculum. Little Chapel will still be open for the ladies' classes on Wednesday night, and as of right now, we're going to uh, leave that open on Sunday morning for uh, special classes that come along. Um, March 14th, I plan to make copies available of that curriculum, those topics, uh, for the whole five years for everyone who wants to see it, but especially those men. Uh, now, with that said, March 14th, curriculum is awesome. Classes are fantastic. Rooms full of students, even better. None of that works without teachers, okay? And if you've got three people teaching for five years, there's going to be tired three people. So I need and I want and I pray that you will plan to come um, and if you say, well, uh, that's too, five years is too much, I'll just help teach one class one time. Okay, good, I'll take what I can get. Come on. So be thinking about that, be praying about that. Just come and listen. And nobody will 
I will try to promise that nobody will make you. But please be a part of that and pray about it. Thank you very much. Brother Jim. I join with Stephen in welcoming you here this morning. If you're joining us on social media, we welcome you as well. In our worship this morning, Brother uh, Chris Langley will be leading our singing. Brother Rick Warner has the opening prayer. Brother Ethan Kendrick, the scripture reading. We're glad to have Brother Ken back. He'll have the lesson this morning. Johnny Parker will lead us as we observe the Lord's Supper. And Brother Jeremy Jones has the closing announcements and the closing prayer. Before we begin this morning, I had a card that had been requested to read. It said, Dear Church Family, we humbly thank you for the visits, calls, cards, gifts, food, and flowers, but most of all, for the prayers during the loss of our beloved J.R. Special thanks to Brother Jim Estes for his inspiring prayer. We love you all the Perigo family, Jane, John Paul, Frog, Carolyn, and Jeff. We have also been asked to remember uh, John David Horn, who's having surgery on both knees this morning. Would you bow with me in prayer, please? Our loving Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can assemble here this morning to worship Thee. We pray that our worship will be pleasing in Your sight. We ask your comfort to continue with the Perigo family and the loss of J.R. And we pray that you'd be with John David Horn in his uh, surgery this morning. We pray that all would go well. We love you, Father, and now accept our worship to thee. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Good morning. The first song this morning will be Wonderful Words of Life, number 543. Mm. Sing them over again to me, wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see, wonderful words of life. Words of life and Thank you. 
prayer be breath of heaven number loving Heavenly Father, we come to Thee this morning with thanksgiving in our hearts for all that You do for us, Father, for the privilege of allowing us to assemble here, Father, to, to worship Thee, Father. We're so thankful that, Father, that we live in a place that, that we have the freedom, Father, to do this. And we pray, Father, that we will never take this for granted, that we'll always be thankful for it. We pray, Father, that uh, as we worship Thee this morning, that we will worship Thee, Father, in a way that would be pleasing and acceptable in Thy sight, that all, th all things that's done here this morning will come up uh, as pleasing to Thee. We're so thankful, Father, for the leadership of our congregation here. We just pray, Father, that you would be with, with each one of them. We pray that you would be, especially with our elders as they lead the flock here, Father, that you would pour out a special blessing upon each one of them, Father, especially during this stressful time that we've been through, Father, that Many decisions have had to be made, Father, that were very, very difficult. And we just pray, Father, that you would continue to bless them. And, and we're so thankful for these, these men. And we're th so thankful, Father, for our deacons that carry on the, the everyday work of the church here, that, uh, the tasks that have to be uh, 
taken care of. Father, we, we just pray that you would be with each one of these and, and watch over them and, and help them to continue to do the good work that they've done, Father. Just pray that everything that's done is just will help our congregation grow, Father, in, in spirit and numerically, Father. There's many, Father, among us that are sick. We just pray that uh, a special blessings to be upon each one of them. Uh, Father, we uh, know that uh, they need your, le le your loving touch, Father, and we just pray that you would watch over. We especially pray this morning, Father, for June Cupper. She's been having a difficult time. We just pray that you would touch her father and help her. For Janice Clayton, it's going through a very, very difficult time now. Just pray that you would be with her and the family. We pray for John David as he's facing the surgery that's coming up uh, and just pray that you would be with him that he would have a quick recovery. We also pray, Father, for those that are shut in, those that are at home that would love to be here that can't due to health reasons, Father. We just pray that you would be with, with each one of them, whether they be at home shut in or whether they be in nursing homes or a, a facility, Father. We just pray that you would be with each one of them. And, and not only that, Father, we pray that you would be with the caregivers. It's a very difficult thing to have to do, Father, to, to take care of loved ones. It's hard on the family. We just pray that you would be with, with each one of them. We pray now, Father, this morning that you would be with uh, Brother Ken as he presents the lesson to us that he would, that you would be with him and, and help him, Father, to present the lesson in a way that would be most beneficial to each one of us, that we could take the things from it that would help us grow, Father, and and live closer to thee. Father, we know that uh, we mess up from time to time, Father, and we just pray that uh, we would turn from these things, Father, and we just ask that you would, would please forgive us for, for those wrongs. We pray, Father, for thy precious families, all, you know, all of us. And we want to pray thy special blessings this morning, Father, to be upon us. Uh, all the, the new Morton babies that have been born. And Father, we want to pray for the expectant mothers that are among the congregation, that you'd be with each one of them, be with the moms, be with the new babies that have been born, and watch over them and, and care for them, Father. We, uh, we often, Father, look, you know, we don't realize that that is a time that uh, Father is... It's a change, and it's very uh, sometimes difficult for the families, and uh, there's health issues and all of that. We just pray that you would be with each one of them, Father. We are so thankful for everything, Father. We're just so thankful for that precious Son, Jesus, who came and, and made the ultimate sacrifice on the cruel cross that through obedience to thy will, Father, that we can have hope of eternal life. And it's in his precious name that we do pray. Amen.
you see on the board, uh, number 459, we'll use that at the appropriate time for the invitation. You might mark your books there. For the uh, scripture reading and the sermon, uh, we'll sing number 432, How Shall the Young Secure Their Hearts? How shall the chapter verse 16 to 17 uh, I'll be reading from the English Standard verse 2nd Timothy 3rd chapter 16 to 17 all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching for reproof for correction and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete equipped for every good work Good morning, everyone. It is terrific to see you. And I think spring maybe is on the way now. We've had some good warm weather and stretch of days. And I'm over all that winter weather. How about you? That was plenty. I'm satisfied. And we're moving on. I was gone along with Anita for a few days this week to go welcome our granddaughter to our family. And I'll tell you, so many of you have said, oh, that grandbaby, now that's going to be something. And I know what you mean now. We just hold the baby and just, this seems weird, I guess, but you just stare at that baby just for hours. Well, I say hours. I stare at the baby until it needs a diaper change and then pass it on to someone more efficient. I, I retired from that a long time ago, so I'm hoping that I don't get re-enlisted for that duty. But 
she's pretty, and listen, uh, if you want to see a picture of her, I might be able to find one. I don't know, but I'll be happy to share that with you. And thank you for uh, your prayers on our behalf. And uh, there seems to be an epidemic. Uh, A lot of babies around, and for those of you whose families have been blessed that way, uh, I know you're feeling like I am, just so excited and filled with joy. But we're not here for that. We're here to worship God, and I'm so thankful for you and for your love of God, your love of this family here in Boonville, and what God can do with us and through us in this location. We're going to actually look at this text all by itself today. We're going to take it apart in pieces and see what God has to say to us in this simple text, a text you probably learned when you were very young. You maybe have memorized this text. It's one of those go-to scriptures because it's a foundational type of text. Through the year, I'm going to be presenting a handful of sermons that deal with foundational issues in Christianity And the idea that the Bible is inspired certainly is one of those. So I hope to impart some knowledge today, or at the very least, to be able to remind you of some things that are very important related to the Scriptures. Before we handle God's Word together, let's pray that God will bless us in that endeavor. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege that it is for us to be able to study your word today. And I pray, Father, that you will bless that endeavor. But more than that, Lord, we we ask that as we're going through that, uh, the mentality of it all, the meditation that we have upon your word, that that will be acceptable worship to you. Lord, we're challenged by your word all by itself, just, just as a, a technical statement from you as we examine it. But Lord, it's more than that. It's life itself. And I pray that you'll help me to impart it that way. And I pray, Lord, that you'll be with those who hear it. They can receive it. And not, not just to understand the words, but for those words to be so alive in them that your original intention will just fill our hearts and that it'll be so strong in us that we will capably share that with somebody else. Lord, just let us be a conduit through which your word flows. Help me to communicate it and be with our hearers that they can receive it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have a setup like I do where you get notifications through the day on your computer, your phone, your iPad. And usually, you know, weather, weather notifications. Sometimes it's news notifications. A lot of times I'll get a notification, I'll catch it out of the corner of my eye and just pass by it. it it's not a big deal to me. I process it quickly and move on. But this week I got this news story that came up on my screen that made me stop and really pay attention. Apparently there is a church in Nashville that has gained some notoriety because they are proclaiming that the Bible is not really the Word of God. It's not really inspired. 
Now, it's a great document, you know, and, and there are a lot of great lessons in it, but it's not specifically, not actually, the Word of God. Well, I take exception to that in the strongest way. And when I saw that, I was like, what? I I get that from a secular standpoint. I get that from a person who doesn't care about the Scriptures, doesn't care even about Jesus. But coming from a church, to me, that's pretty shocking. Now, I have been in Bible studies before where we're dealing with a particular subject or a question of the Scriptures And it is very clear from where the scripture is leading us that things are going to have to change. Or maybe this is going to confront an issue in this person's life. And they will stop and say something like, hey, you know, listen, just give me Jesus. You know, just show me Jesus. I I, I don't know about all that other stuff, but I want Jesus. As though to say, I want Jesus, but I don't want the Bible. You know, I want the Jesus that I see at Christmas time. A little baby. And believe me, little babies, boy, they're cute. And they don't challenge us very much. We just ooh and ah over that. Makes it feel good. We're happy. I want that Jesus. Or I want that Jesus who is constantly telling us to love our neighbor as herself and stuff like that. I, I want him. When you start quoting scripture that actually, boy, is definite and draws lines in the sand and requires something of me, that's hard. And that don't. So there's this disconnect that people have Jesus and the Bible. As long as the Bible matches up to their preconceived notion of Jesus, they're okay. Once the Bible seems to deviate from what they have constructed in their mind of what they believe Jesus is, then they don't want the Bible anymore. What does the Bible say about itself? What does Jesus say about the Bible? I find it interesting the way Jesus intertwines himself or intermingles himself with the Bible itself. For instance, in John chapter 5 and verse 39, he said, You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they, the scriptures, these are they which testify of me. Scriptures testify of me, Jesus says. What you read in those scriptures, what you're studying as a means or or an avenue through which you can have your salvation, I'm telling you that what you're reading there, that is speaking of me. I'm the answer. So Jesus, describing himself as the embodiment of what the Scriptures teach. If I have a mind that the Bible is just full of legends and myths that it is irrelevant for today, if it's somehow able to be cast out and I can just accept Jesus, then I'm not really listening to Jesus. Jesus described it as the truth. Jesus described himself as the fulfillment of it. 
if the scripture's not true, then you'd have to say Jesus isn't true either. If the scripture isn't perfect, then I'm just going to have to also say Jesus isn't perfect. And if I go that far, then what have I really done? I, I have undermined Christianity altogether. And my faith, and that's what I really want to get to, my faith has become useless. Let's think of it another way. If I didn't have the Bible, what would I really know about Jesus? Now, sometimes people will throw up the name Josephus. And they'll say, well, you know know Josephus? He was a historian and he spoke about Jesus. Yeah, he did. About a line or two. Okay? He he described Jesus' personality. He described the power that he had over people. He even gave a brief description of his appearance. But that's about all. If I really want to know Jesus, I, I can't disconnect Jesus from the Scriptures. Those Old Testament Scriptures, Jesus said, were testifying, were pointing to Him, and these New Testament Scriptures are revealing Him as He walked among us and in reflection of what He did in the establishment of the church. All of that has to do with Jesus. It's His story. To throw out the Bible would be would be to throw out Jesus, or certainly his credibility. I, I find it interesting that the Bible, even in some very subtle ways, goes about its business to emphasize continually, do not forget that this message is from God. In the book of Exodus, for instance, there is a string of eight chapters whose initial statement every single time, chapter 7 through 14, is, and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, or the Lord said to Moses. Every single chapter. And when you go through those first five books, the Pentateuch, you will see at least 40 different times, just at random places, the statements made, and the Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said. Why are we reminded of that? It's because this isn't just a historical book. It isn't just full of stories that are interesting and inspiring to us. This is actually the Word of God. This is God speaking to us. Against what may be the first of many assertions in the future of the Bible being irrelevant or not being the Word of God, I make the assertion that the Bible, the Scriptures, are truly inspired of God. Now, when you read this text, 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17, it says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. There's no doubt about it. So far as the Bible is concerned in its description of itself, the Scriptures are God-breathed. Now, this text, many will say, oh, now hold on there, wait a minute, Ken. 
Now, now you do know that Paul is saying this, and at the time, all of the books of the New Testament hadn't been written, and so what Paul is saying with regard to all Scripture is given by inspiration, he's actually talking about those Old Testament Scriptures, so you can't really include all that. Hey, peace, you know what? Maybe Maybe that's true. Maybe what Paul is referring to here as regards, especially the development of Timothy in his work with the church had to do with those Old Testament scriptures. He had been versed in them from his youth, had been instructed by his mother and his grandmother. He had a close affiliation, close connection with the scriptures, no doubt about it. And those scriptures, Timothy, don't you forget, they're inspired of God. Hey, I get that. But when you read more than this, when when you go through the New Testament scriptures, you will find, just as in the old, continuing assertions to the fact that what these guys are saying, apostles and prophets who are writing the New Testament scriptures, that what they were doing was by the inspiration of God, just as it had always been. Now, Paul says that, of course, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 8. He's given uh, a directive regarding holiness. And he says that he who rejects this does not reject man, but God, who has also given us his Holy Spirit. There might have been, you know, some flack from those who are in Thessalonica saying, whoa, hold on there, Paul. Don't you come down on us with our morality so hard. Don't make these strongs. That... Paul says, well... I... I'm not doing that. If you reject what I'm saying here, you're not rejecting me. You're rejecting God because God has given this instruction. Here it is, by means of the Holy Spirit. Or as Peter had said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, he says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is by any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. These inspired speakers, these inspired writers, were deriving their message not from just human inspiration or hours of contemplation, but what they were speaking was the mind, the very mind of God. Now, Peter even goes so far a little bit later in this book, 2 Peter chapter 3, at verses 15 and 16, he says, Now, you know that there are some unlearned, untaught, and unstable people who are resting, they're twisting the Scriptures, they're twisting what Paul has to say, but he says they also do that with all or the other Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, the rest of the Scriptures. Now, here's the idea. He says, I see these untaught and unstable people doing to Paul and his writings the same thing that they're doing to the rest of the scriptures, the other scriptures. In other words, just as they're doing it to the Old Testament scriptures, so they are doing it to the teaching of Paul, Paul speaking by inspiration, i.e. the Word of God, the inspired Word of God. Peter, on par with the Old Testament scriptures. But now I'm reading this and it says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. When I say Scripture in this audience, I'm I'm assuming you're thinking of the Bible. 
But it's that other word there in that text. Not just scripture, but what's connected with it. That it's given by inspiration. That's an interesting study right there. Because that word is translated from a Greek word, theonoustos. And that word, broken down, literally means God-breathed. God-breathed. That's something I've read before. Like, for instance, when the world was created, okay, the, the material, physical world and all that's in it, when that happened, God spoke and it came into existence. God didn't set up a carpentry shop and start building things. God spoke words. The words came forth from Him. He breathed out. And then things were brought into existence. Psalm 33, verse 6. That says that by the Word of God, the heavens were made and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Now, if you dissect that text, you get the idea, okay, God's word brought forth the heavens, and then he filled it with life. But how did he do that? By the breath of his mouth. Now, I love that. When God's breath comes forth, it creates or it brings life. Remember, when man was created, God breathed into him what? The breath of life. Okay, so I, I can wrap my mind around that. I have the image. God creates, he speaks, the word goes forth. God creates life. He brings that life and animates it by breathing out. And then that is taken in. The physical becomes alive. But now he uses that word here with the scriptures. So when I'm reading the Word of God, when I'm even reading this text that we're studying here today, or looking at these other texts that lend support to what this verse says, when I'm reading those, those are not just words on a page. They aren't just letters. They're life. They're the, they're the breath of God. So as that has come forth from God and has been printed on the page, when I read that, where does that go? That goes into me. I ingest that life. And you know what it does to me? It feeds my soul. My spirit becomes infused with the breath of God. All Scripture is given by inspiration, by the by the breath of God. So, Scripture's God-breathed. Scripture's also profitable, according to this text. So, okay, Ken, I, I read the Scripture, I, I take it into my soul. Now what? You know, what, what, is it, what does it do? You say it's alive, what does it do? Well, he says it's profitable. In other words, it is useful. It's practical. It's able to do things. He says it's profitable for doctrine. Now, doctrine is the teaching. When you read through the Scriptures, what do you get? And I'm not just talking about how maybe sometimes you have a subject in mind 
And so what you do is maybe you go to a concordance or something. You search the Bible to find out what verses might be talking about that. And then you draw a conclusion about a particular subject. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when I, when I open myself to the Word of God, when I'm just reading through the Scriptures, as we're doing this morning, for the purpose of worship God, I want to, I want to ingest the life-giving breath of God through the words that reflect His mind. When I take that in, what doctrine am I getting? Like, the Scriptures will be God's mind sharing with us who He is. I read those scriptures, I understand who God is. I'm not going to say more importantly, but I'll say well nigh as important is also an understanding in the scriptures of who I am in relation to Him. Because if I don't understand that, how do I even approach Him? And then I understand you know, the beginning of it all, and not just back to the book of Genesis beginning. I'm talking about my own substance, of what my purpose is, and the meaning of my life, and then looking forward to the end. God reveals that, His Spirit on that page, coming back to me as life and filling my soul. So I'm enlivened by the Word of God so that, so that I can know these things. In the book of John, chapter 8, verse 32, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You know, how, how is it that truth does that? Well, it's because it's not just dealing with a particular issue in my life, which we like to do, right? Go to the concordance, look up some issue that I'm dealing with. What does the Bible say about Yeah, that, but soothe my soul. You know, Lord, free me from, from the, the avalanche of bad things that this life has for me. This word, he says, is going to set you free from that. You know why? Because it's not just, it's not just like going to the Chinese restaurant and get your fortune cookie. And then, well, what'd you get? You know what? Like as if whatever they got, that's going to happen. Hope mine's better than theirs, right? You want to trade? That is not life. The Word of God is life. It is changing, gives direction. It sets us free. And even those Old Testament scriptures, Romans 15 verse 4 says, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Not, not just the answer to a question, but beyond that. Our hope is rested in that word because it's always true. It is always true. And it soothes our soul. It's profitable for doctrine and for, for reproof. To reprove literally means to prove again. So you are here now, you need to be brought back from whence you've gone. Or you could say, rebuke. So, I was good, and then, knowing what I should do, I, I, I turned from, I was disobedient. Now I've got to come back. He says, the Word of God, it's profitable for that. It gives the instruction that will take you from having made a misstep to coming back and, and being in fellowship with God. Again, that life-giving Word will do that. But I've got to listen to it. I've got to be obedient to it, right? 
John chapter 12, verse 48. He who rejects me and receives not my words has one that judges him. The words which I have spoken, the same will judge him in the last day. I'm thinking about Jesus' time, and while we were examining that baby there, that everybody likes babies. When Jesus was a baby in a manger, great, love him. <laughs> you know, he's talking about peace and all that, but now that he's grown up and he's talking about leaving sin and living for the kingdom of God and there'll be few who are entering there, oh, that's not so good. That becomes more challenging. And so many people wouldn't accept that and they didn't like him on the basis. And Jesus is like, uh, you know what? Peace, that's okay. Because if you refuse me now, one day you're going to come and face these words again. And you're going to be judged by those words. So you can choose to do that now and have a favorable judgment, or you can refuse it now, but one day you'll face them again. That word that you read, that life that you're breathing in as the breath of God, Hebrews 4.12 says, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Discerner, a judge. So you read it, oops. <laughs> it's like, I read it, and I know I should have read it, but now I see that we are at a crossroads here. I'm not doing what it's telling me to do. I can change that now, or I can face it, I can face it later, be judged by it. The Word of God, the inspired Word, is profitable to help us make the change, to reprove us. It's also there, closely akin to the idea, to correct us. And the idea there is, okay, I know I need to change. Now, I've got to make the movement from the bad to the good. I've got to be corrected. I've got to change it. It's, it's got to be different now. And that's James chapter 1, beginning verse 21, where you lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who has observed his face in a glass. He observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But whoever looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. Okay, so I go to the Word of God. I see change that needs to be made. Correction. So, okay, I need to make that correction. Kind of loose on it. Walk away. Forget. Don't do it. What difference did it make? Well, I received the instruction but I didn't, I didn't do anything. If I will, however, if, if I'll, I'll heed the word of the Lord, the, the breathed in breath of God, the, the life-giving word of God, if I breathe that in, that inspired scripture, the change that needs to be made, if I'll take that seriously, then it will have a profound effect on the trajectory of my life from that point on. That's true correction. And then it's instructional as regards righteousness. I receive the inspired God-breathed word, the mind of God through his scripture. I receive that. I see what needs to be changed. I correct it. I've been instructed in that way to a life of righteousness, a life of 
as we will see in a moment, of good works. Truly, my life has changed its direction. Now, sadly, too often, what happens is, okay, I believe, you know, read the Scriptures, developed faith, Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. There it is, Ken. Took the Word in. I responded to the Word of God, developed this faith. I want to obey the Gospel. Go... Bury them in water. Have their sins washed away. Rise up in newness of life. A new creature. Yes! Okay. You started at faith. And now what? Too many. Too many. Start there and stop right there. They don't add anything to it. It's like I, I've done it and so I'm good. But th- that, that, isn't, that isn't the purpose of these scriptures. These scriptures are there n- not just to equip us in terms of our salvation, but to continue to give us instruction until such time as this life is over. A, a great text for that is Second Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, knowledge self-control, self-control perseverance, perseverance godliness, godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound... You will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now, very quickly, there are two obvious things that are going on here. If I don't add to my faith, if I'm not growing, then that is as though I have forgotten what Jesus did for me. I have forgotten that he died for me. You say, I I could never do that. Well, it it may be that you can't get that out of your mind as a fact, but what your life is saying is that didn't matter. You know, Jesus died for me. Okay, I take advantage of the life-giving blood that I was washed with in my baptism, but now that I've got that, I'm, I'm out. No. It's like you forgot how important that was because that ought to drive you and motivate you the rest of your life. Remember that trajectory change that we had? And then the other side of that is if I choose to add these things... I abound in them, then my abundance is also going to carry with me to heaven. I'll be able to go abundantly into heaven. It is like the doors of heaven just fly open wide because of the life that we committed. And how was that life driven? That life was driven by the God-breathed Word of God. We took it in and it enlivened us. So it is very profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. But Scripture is, is also that which completes and equips. Now, the word complete means to mature. It means to bring to perfection. The Word of God is able to complete us. Th- this growing process that we were talking about. It is angled toward perfection, completion, maturity. And it, he says, equips us in the sense that it gives us the tools by which we can do the good works 
that God has called us to do. Okay? You can go out there and get you a grand, great education. And you can know a lot of things. But I'm telling you that if you are not filling your heart with the Word of God, the God-breathed Word, life from God, if you're not filling yourself with that, then no matter how great your education, no matter how knowledgeable you are, you will never, ever be complete. There have been some really famous, smart people to die. I think of scientists who are famous among us, who make the headlines constantly, and through their life, as long as their health is good, they talk about there being no God, and they just relish and are filled with pride over the great intellect that they control. And they will attempt to answer any question that you might present to them, uh, certainly within their own field. Whatever you got, they got an answer for it. But I'll tell you what, if they didn't fill themselves with the Word of God, there will come a day when all that knowledge will not matter. When their life is ebbing out of them, you could present them with this question, the question of what is next? And here's what they'd have to say. I do not know. Wait. An, an intellect that is celebrated by the world? Many who have passed on before, an intellect that continues to be celebrated? But posed with the question that reflects the ignorance of the Scriptures, what's next? The answer is, I don't know. Here's the thing about the Scriptures. You say, oh, okay, I'm going to, boy, I'm going to fill myself up with the Word. I'm going to study it. I'm going to, I'm going to write the Word of God on my heart. I'm going to become a terrific student of the Word of God. And you know, there have been people who have actually sequestered themselves in, in caves or in far-off rooms in big, large buildings and just don't want any contact with anybody. I'm going to spend this time, I'm going to study God's Word. Hey, great. But that's not really what God's Word was designed for. It's not designed for us to be selfish with that word, as though I will fill myself up and be the best I can be. That's not what it's designed to do. It is designed to fill you up, but then for you to share with somebody else. You have been saved so that you can save somebody else. You become a conduit through which the breath of God flows. Our theme text for the year really nails that. Ezra chapter 7 verse 10. 
text says that Ezra prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach statutes and ordinances in Israel. See that? That's a great pattern. We fill up and then we let it flow. If you're a child of God, that's what you are, a conduit through which God's blessings can flow. In particular, that precious word that he's given. Maybe there's been something of a roadblock with you, or maybe the scenario that we described earlier, became a Christian, had your sins washed away, took full advantage of the blood of Jesus, but now, I don't know, stop growing, stop adding to your faith. Maybe you never even really got started. Let's repent of that and let's, let's make the resolution today. It's not going to be like that from here on out. We're changing our trajectory. If you're not a child of God today, but you believe Jesus is the Son of God, you need to act on your faith. If you believe He's the Son of God, that God raised Him from the dead, you're ready to repent of your sins, confess your faith today. You can be buried in that water that we talked about a moment ago, have your sins washed away by the blood of Jesus, and rise in newness of life. And then you can begin adding to your faith and letting that word flow through you. If there's anybody who needs to respond today for any reason, now's your opportunity. Why don't you come up if you need to while we stand together and sing. Give me the Bible, star of gladness be.
Supper. I want to make sure everybody's got the elements that they need. Uh, if you don't, please raise your hand and one of our ushers will bring it to you. Please bow with me. Lord, we thank you for this bread, which to Christians represents Christ's broken body on the cross. Let us partake in a manner pleasing in thy sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this fruit of the vine, which to Christians represents Christ's blood that was shed for our sins. Let us partake it in a manner pleasing to thy sight. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Also separate and apart from the Lord's Supper, uh, we have different ways that we can give others collection plates in the back and at all the side entrances. Uh, you can drop the contributions off at the church office during the week. You can also mail your contributions in with the address provided there and also can set up a uh, automatic draft through your banking account through the account at First American. And then finally, you can also do it online 
with instructions for all of these are at our church website. Thank you. We want to thank each and every one of you for being here and taking the opportunity to worship together with us. We had 170 in services this uh, for our second service. I don't have a number for the first service, but that's been running about 100. And we had roughly 50 devices or so online. So if you kind of do your preacher count there, you're looking at 350 to 375 participating in worship today. So we're thankful for each and every one of you being here. I do have a card I'd like to read. This is from Charlotte Moore. It says, I want to thank each and every one of you that prayed for me, sent cards, calls, texts, and brought food. I'm doing well and with continued therapy, I'm confident that with God's help, I will regain full motion of my arm. Again, thank you so much for every act of kindness. Love all, Charlotte Moore. If you haven't picked up a bulletin or an order of worship there, I ask that you do so. Uh, there's several announcements on the back, and um, I want to mention a few of those. We definitely want to remember in prayer uh, our youth coming back from CYC. If you're interested in assisting with um, uh, Bailey Beard's uh, baby and girl shower, contact Brandy Gann. There's several Lads to Leaders group meetings this afternoon. Uh, song leading will be next week. Uh, also, Golden Circle is going to have their breakfast uh, tomorrow at Agnews, and the bus will be leaving the annex at 8.15. And then there's a workday scheduled for Winona, Mississippi, this Friday, March 5th, to work with the evangelism, uh, World Evangelism Warehouse. And so the bus will leave at 8.15. This is available to anyone that is interested in that trip. Uh, again, remember in your prayers the Perigo family and John David Horn as he goes through surgery. Uh, and one of the other things, uh, many of us know this, but it's it's been a year since we kind of uh, started having remote worship and such. And in that process, uh, Brand has helped and uh, several others in the congregation, Brother Stephen and, and Leanne, and uh, several of our teachers have helped put our entire Bible class curriculum online for the whole year. And so we've got all grades, two-year-olds all the way through sixth grade, and our curriculum is available online uh, for those that are in need of that or ever miss class, and we uh, are going to keep that there and continue building onto that. So that is available at boonvillecoc.com slash class resources. And uh, if you would bow with me, we'll go to our Father in prayer as we close out our service. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. We thank you for the blessings to come and worship with one another, to give our, our focus and our attention to you. Uh, Father God, we are thankful for the opportunity that we are able to gather. Uh, after the year that we've gone through, we're thankful for, for each and every opportunity you provide to us. Father God, we lift up to you in prayer the Perigo family, as well as John David Horn. Pray for their comfort, as well as his healing. Father God, we pray for our congregation as we look forward and, and move forward with uh, so many opportunities that you provide to us. We pray for this new curriculum for our adult classes, and we pray that you will uh, encourage each member uh, who, who is, has a desire to teach in that, that they, will, that they will see their opportunities, Father. Father God, we ask for continued doors to be open to our community. We ask for... 
for your guidance in our lives and that we will always seek back towards your word, the inspired word of God. Lord, we thank you so much for that gift that you provide us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, and it's his name we pray. Amen.